Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hi, guys, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bump. Today, we are bringing you our unprofessional, unsolicited, and uncut parenting advice. (laughs) We asked you guys to send in questions. Please remember that this is just what we've found works for us or our experience with parenthood. Um, We are in no way claiming that we are parenting experts. We get to the end of some slash most days and think, wow, I could have done that a lot better. (laughs) But yeah, you guys just asked some questions. So we're just going to have a bit of fun with this well, but we hope this just maybe makes some things seem a little less stressful and a bit lighter. A little bit lighter. So take it away, J.D. Pooh. Okay, babies. Question for both of us. How did you feel when you first learnt there is no such thing as sleeping in? Sleeping in for me isn't a particularly hard part of parenting. I'm an early riser, so I think that's fine. One thing I've found really hard is recently Poppy has been wanting to stay up quite late. So Mm. she will generally sleep from about eight till eight. But since Goldie came along, she's been trying to push that out even further. And I actually find that really hard because by that time of the night, I am so ready to just tune out, wind down, hang out with Nick, maybe have a glass of wine. I'm not I'm not on for parenting at that time of the night. So actually it's more that side of thing than the sleeping in that has affected me. I mean, I'm saying this from a point, she's never been an early riser. So she's never been like a 5am get up, start the day. If she had been like that, my opinion may be very different. But what about you? Talking about early risers, my children are, they will wake up around about 5.30, Mia especially. She can go to bed at midnight and wake up at 5.30. That's just how she how she rolls. I'm an early riser as well, so it, it doesn't matter to me. My husband, you could literally get a truck and he still won't, he won't move. He, so he's a late riser. Oh, he's a late riser yeah. and a, a late um, night owl as well. He's yeah. both. I don't really care about that, but as you said, the late night I get to six o'clock and I'm like it's my time yeah this is my time yeah you girls have had the whole day of doing my nuts in (laughs) and now it's my time so go and brush your teeth and do like read a book or something let me let my nuts out yeah let (laughs) let my nuts fly I um also find that I absolutely love when daylight savings finishes because we can all pretend that it's super late and because it gets dark, they think, oh, my God, it's so late. We've got to go to bed. It's like 6.30. Oh, daylight savings could not come quick enough. But will your girls wake up even earlier? No. So they ah. still sleep. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. What part of the house do you go to when you just need five minutes of alone time? The dunny. And just pretend you're doing a massive Boris. Guys, I'm on the toilet. I'll be a little bit. Just go make your own breakfast. 
Sometimes I find my husband sitting on there for quite some time and he's either reading a book or he's on his phone and I'm, babe, you've been there for ages. And he's like, yeah, it's a slow one, babe. (laughs) So gross. But I tend to have a shower. That's my time. Don't come in. It's shower time for me. And yeah, I, you know, have literally 30 second shower and then I'm out again. But that's probably my time that I can hide away from my children when things are getting hectic. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I don't really have an alone spot because Poppy's still at that age where when I say I'm going to the toilet, she just follows me in because she's so interested by the fact that you sit up on this Mm. porcelain throne. So I need to find myself a spot. I don't have one yet. The car in the garage? No, she's obsessed with the car and now she can open the door into our garage. It's a whole situation. I've got no hope. Nah. How do you keep your cool when your kids act up in public? That is a great question. Well, this is a new one for me because Poppy's only just turned two, so she hasn't... Been terrible (laughs) until now. Yeah, I mean, I don't like to call it the terrible twos. I mean, we haven't reached there yet, but I think the terrible twos is harsh. They're going through a lot. Their minds are... I mean, I might feel differently in six months' time, but yeah. I just think it's harsh that it's called the terrible twos. Like, but so is the um, what do they call it? A three-nager? Yeah, but I get really like defensive if Poppy's even slightly acting up in public, and someone's like, "Oh, she's reached the terrible twos." I'm like, "Fuck off, stranger! Get away from my child and don't label her." Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> defensive much? But yeah, so I don't really, I don't really have any tools yet. You're, you're the person to speak to because you've got the. Oh no, I don't have any tips on keeping cool because I literally just say it how it is. If they're shitting me in aisle five because they want lollies, I say no. And if they keep on acting up, I just move to the next aisle and And let them scream. And then everyone else is like, "Oh, whose parents? Where are the parents?" I'm like, "Oh, who knows?" But then they'll come around to me and they'll be like, "Mom," and I go, "All right, you know what? You can have that lolly if you're good the entire way." So then they actually follow me the entire way and then we get to the end and I go, we're actually not going to get that. We're going to get something really good. If they actually were exceptional, I'll actually give them that treat. But they've got to earn it. So you bribe lie. I abs- can't lie on a bribe. No, no, no. I'm not I'm not lying on a bribe because <laughs> I will give them something after. I just don't think that they need, like, they're picking up, like, a packet of, of nerds yeah, something, something yeah. ridiculous. I mean, the other day it was a, a gumball machine <laughs> and mum's like, yeah, you can have a gumball machine. I'm like, mum, seriously, what are we going to deal with in the car? Every time Nick goes to the shops with coffee, they come back with like a Wiggles plate yeah. or something and he's like, she wouldn't put it back on the shelf. I'm like, okay, so just buy it. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And I've gotten to this year because I feel like I've been taken on a ride or taken for a ride for the past six years that I've had kids where every time we go somewhere they feel like they need or want or deserve something. And this year um, Harry and I said unless it's your birthday or you've, you know, won an award on a star chart, you're not getting anything just no. because you're like you're there, you're present. Or you're slightly well behaved. No, and you can't you don't get it for cracking it either. I don't think they need to be rewarded for having a little shitty tantrum in aisle five. Yeah. Has anyone been in aisle five? It's real hectic. <laughs> Is it actually aisle five? No, That's I don't know. I'm not sure. But I'm just saying that, you know, we're just trying to change our ways a little bit because they are getting older and they are getting smarter and we need to just be that one level above. At six years of age, a tantrum still a massive thing? Um, No, it's worse. It's not a tantrum. It's like 
um, and mental battle off each other. So they, they actually do feel like they're an adult and yeah. they have like back chat yeah. and they give you like, oh, blackmail. They blackmail yeah. me. Like if you don't do that, then I'm not going to get in the car and put my seatbelt on. It, look, where I'm struggling, I just got called a um, motherfucker. I got called a motherfucker the other day and I cried. Mia wouldn't get out of the pool with food. And I was just like trying to get her from one end of the pool to the other end of the pool. And she wasn't getting out. She was just literally diving from side to side. And Ah. I could have, if I didn't have Yumi in my arms, I would have just jumped in fully clothed and wrung her neck. It was just ridiculous. (laughs) Anyway, she got out and I... I, she wouldn't have actually wrung her neck, let's just say that. No, that was a... um, Figure of speech. It was a definite figure of speech. I got on her level. I find that, you know, when I I go to their level and look at them in the eyes with which my with powerful me, death stare. Which with me will pretty soon be your level. I know. She's so tall. I said to her, um, what you did then was inappropriate. Now you need to go dry yourself and go to your room. And she stormed off and she goes, oh, you motherfucker. And that to me, like that is just one. Disrespectful. It's disrespect, but also I've never heard her say something in context like that. Like, you know, it was quite, I don't know, just it hit me. Mm. And then I went around to everyone saying, I don't know where she's got this information, this word from and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then literally the next night I was saying something to Nick and I called him under my breath. Oh, you motherfucker. It was me. Mm. I say it subconsciously, don't even know that I sometimes say it, and she's picked it up and when she was in an angry state, she just let it fly. Now that I know with her... She's at that age where just because she hears an adult say something doesn't mean it's acceptable for a child or her to say. And I'm teaching her that, yeah, I sometimes say things and that doesn't mean that you're allowed to repeat it. Yeah. And yes, I shouldn't swear in front of her, but I, it's parenting. Yeah. You're never going to get it right. I'm not a perfect parent and I never will be, but yeah. you know, surely I can just try, get my six-year-old not to swear <laughs> at me. That would be good. Poppy says, oh shit, in context. Yeah. How good's if in she, context though? It scares me. If she drops something, she t- goes, oh shit. And the, f- the first couple of times she did, Nick turned to me and he goes, that was all you. That is you. I am not taking blame for you for that. That was you. And I was like, that's me. And it's it's really funny when they're, you know, one, two, three and saying swear words. It's so cute. And, oh, my God, they say this. When they get to six, it's terrifying. Yeah. And that's when it is too much. Yeah. Did you get hair loss after birth and how did you manage it? Well, I grew hair on my legs and every other area and I lost hair on my head, but I didn't know that I lost it until it started regrowing and I got Mm. these little wispy bits and I'm actually just looking at yours, Sophie, and they are so wild. They're like little devil horns. Look. Excuse me. It hasn't even started yet. It doesn't start till like three to five months. What's that? Yeah, it's probably still growing back from Poppy. Do you reckon? Yes, fuck off. Stop okay. Looking at me. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I I lost my hair and I did nothing about it. I literally just gelled it back. It's in a really tight little ponytail at the moment. But when I had a blow dry the other day, she showed me underneath all these 
long new bits coming through. So in six months, I will be on a Pantene commercial. Yeah, it'll be so thick. Thick and lush. Yeah, I lost a lot of hair after after having Poppy and I actually found that harder to deal with than any other, like, physical changes post Did you see it falling I, out or yeah, did you feel it? No, I saw it falling out. Like clumps? Clump, like, so, like, I would go in the shower, remember. I would lose so much hair. There was just hair everywhere. Then also, but the worst part was when it started to grow back and I felt like I had weird, like, side fringes sticking out from <laughs> everywhere. I don't know any way that you can avoid that. I think it's just something it's that hormones. happens when you breastfeed especially, especially. But I do know that apparently there are some supplements you can take to help it grow back. And I do know that Boob to Food actually did a post on it because she yeah. has been quite open about um, quite a lot of postpartum hair loss. So you should check that out. Mm. At what age do you both start imp- implementing routines for your children? So with Poppy, I noticed that she fell into somewhat of a rhythm at four months. I didn't implement it at all, but I kind of went with what she was doing and it was, you know, that she would generally wake up, feed, play for about an hour and a half, fall back to sleep. It wasn't until about six months that I decided I would like to know it's like she was in a routine, like a sequence, but I wouldn't necessarily know what time of the day she'd be doing each thing. And at about six months, I thought, you know what, it would be really handy if I knew what we were going to be up to at about 2.30 in the afternoon rather than, oh, let's just see how the day rolls out. So at about six months, I read the book Save Our Sleep. And it was a book that I was actually quite scared of before I read it because I'd heard horrible things about it. But I absolutely loved it. And I followed the routine in that during the day and then implemented some of the sleep training from that at night. And basically it's teaching them to be in a routine and to also not rely on the boob to sleep. And I found that really helpful. So kind of strictly from six months, but not strict from about four months. And you took the words out of my mouth because that's exactly what I did. I I did for the first four months, you go with it. And then at six months, you sort of start to see a little pattern forming and you start going with that and being a little bit more strict with routine. And then around that time is when I felt comfortable to implement exact certain times of the day. I just went with what I thought with the guideline of three sleeps a day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it ended up working with all the girls. So I find that they thrive off routine. Children thrive off routine, whether it's a sleep routine, nap, play. If they know what is going to happen next, I find that the girls are a lot calmer. I agree. And I was definitely one of those pregnant women who um, scoffed at routines. And I thought, you know, because we're a family that loves to travel or loves to be out and about. And I thought routines were really going to get in the way of that. But I actually found all of those things so much easier because she was in a routine. So she would still sleep out and about, but we would just know when where to have her so like okay make sure she's in the carrier or the pram at this time and she can sleep and so we actually found that it made us so much more free rather than yeah. tied down yeah that's good sex after baby is it as different as it's made out to be i mean i know we did say juicy but we got so many questions <laughs> about sex it was r-rated our, our message line was r-rated absolutely sex after baby. i was 
with Poppy, I was so worried about having sex, not because of pain or anything, but I was just so worried it would be like throwing a sausage down a hallway. Yeah. And for me personally, I mean, I will say I had very straightforward vaginal births both times. So I'm, you know, I wasn't dealing with any episiotomy episiotomy or any tears healing or anything like that, but it was nowhere near as bad as I expected. It felt bruised. Um, but I would say how many weeks was it? I think with Poppy, it was about five weeks. Yeah. Um, and it was just that mental hurdle more so, more so that I was so scared that it was going to feel so different for Nick. Mm. And he reassured me it didn't. I don't know if that was just being a kind, loving husband, husband who would like to have sex again yeah. in the future. Because <laughs> if he'd said the opposite, he may never have got it again. But You're here, yeah. Goldie, it's okay. Yeah, so we must have gone back once more. Yeah. But, yeah, for me it wasn't as bad as it was drummed up to be. Yeah. What about you? Um, I felt that it was purely all mental and not for what he was going to feel, for what I was going to feel because I had an episiotomy with Mia, I had stitches with uh, Billy and I had stitches with Yumi. So you always think you've just pushed a child out of your vagina, you've been swollen for days, you've been bleeding, and I feel that all that mentally makes you – psych yourself out of also feeling sexual at that time like I don't feel I'm sexy I don't feel anything like that I feel I'm a mother breastfeeding my child and that is my role at that time you know at five or six weeks yeah it starts to heal and you start to feel a little bit better I think personally mentally when you feel that you are comfortable and willing to give it a try you'll be surprised at how fine it actually is and it's actually all up in your mind as to how you know scary that's going to be it's Mm. not it it feels the same It, it might feel a little bit tender depending on what time you're doing it you know in what week but it really, at the end of the day, but, is up to you. And I think so many people put so much pressure on the six-week oh. mark. And this time, like, Goldie is six weeks old today and I have no zero desire. libido. And I think it's because now we're not just trying to time it around one child. We're timing it around two children who may not be asleep at the same time. And, you know, since Goldie came, Poppy wants to be in our bed more. And I just... When I get that time to go to bed, I want to be asleep. It's it's like it's you know I would love to be reading a book right now, but any time that I have both hands free that I can sit there still, I would like to be asleep. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's 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 more I think for me finding the time and energy than anything physical. I feel quite good in my body right now. Definitely. How did you two first meet? Ooh, this is a bit of a saucy question. Is it? Is it something I don't know? <laughs> you tell it, Soph. Oh, do you not remember? No. <laughs> well, we... How did you know I didn't remember? Because I just threw it on you. Because you threw it back to me. <laughs> we met on Instagram. Like, we virtually met oh, yeah. on Instagram. I don't know how that started, though. No, I don't know either. Have we been sending each other a slime message every now and again for quite some time? Yours was eight. No, so I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I found you, I don't know where I found you, I don't know if you were following me or I found you on something or, you know, you were tagged in something, but I looked at your account and I was like, this chick is so down to earth and so real and she just posts like 
like real, just I, I felt like you were very similar to me in the sense that there was no bullshit and you were, you had a really good sense of humor for what I could see. So I was like, we're going to be friends one day. I feel like I was following you before I ever had kids though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until you'd had Yumi that we actually met. Mm. And, but we'd been talking a fair bit on Instagram. And then we only met about six months before we decided to start the podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when we first met, we just got along really well. There was a lot of pressure to get on though, because I feel like it's like when you've been texting a boy and you get on so well over MSN and then you're actually meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, imagine if we actually don't get on. And that was his friends the whole time with the witty banter and he's actually a wet sock. That's how I felt. (laughs) But I wasn't a wet sock. You weren't. But I felt like I had a lot to live up to. And then, yeah, we met and we got along really well. And then someone else has asked how the podcast starts. So let's just roll on into that. Yeah, roll on in. So then, yeah, about six months after we'd met, I had been interviewed for another podcast and absolutely loved doing it. I was like, look at me just (laughs) chatting away. fantastic. I just get to chat away. And then... And then I decided, you know what, this would be a really fun thing to do. I'd love to interview mothers about their experience with motherhood. And then I asked Jade if she would like to come on and speak about her experiences with postnatal depression, anxiety and being the mother of three. And she was like, sure, absolutely, and then got really into (laughs) her episode. (laughs) Took over. And one day just messaged, we never recorded the episode, and one day she messaged me saying, hey, you know what, is this something you would like to do together? I absolutely love the sound of it. And Beyond the Bump was born. That's it. And then the potty came alive. Yeah. Have we never looked back? What things did you find helped with weight loss after birth? So with Poppy, I I actually, after having Poppy, loved eating well because I had could only eat so poorly throughout my whole pregnancy with her because I felt so sick and could only eat hangover food. So actually healthy food after having her, was so refreshing mm. because I felt like I'd literally been living off potato for nine months. I also just started a mums and bubs training group. There was actually more about feeling strong again in my core rather than losing weight. And just as a byproduct of that, I did lose weight. And actually after having, I'd say about six or so months after having Poppy, I actually felt not that I was my smallest or most toned, but the most comfortable in my body that I had ever been Mm. and was super proud of my body. This time, I mean, it's so soon, I I really didn't put on much weight at all with Goldie and I don't know why it was quite different this time, maybe because I was chasing after a toddler, maybe because I wasn't as sick so I wasn't, I wasn't eating as poorly, but this time it hasn't really been, look, it hasn't even really been in the forefront of my mind at all. I feel really good in my body. I feel really proud of my body. Yeah, it's not something I've really even Hmm. thought of yet. (laughs) You? Feeling good about yourself. I feel that when you do things that 
are a positive thing for your body and for your mental state, everything else follows. If you focus on the fact that you want to lose weight and it's not happening and you're stressing about it, then I don't think anything's going to come of it. And or it's probably it does, I feel like you send yourself into a state that well, you're not, not even going to be able to enjoy. That it's not body attainable. Anyway. Yeah, it's it doesn't it doesn't last, and that's why I've never done a diet because there's always going to be an an end point where you stop that. And then, you know, I I feel like a lifestyle approach is what I've done with all my children. And this time has been harder for me in a way because I had postnatal depression and it was all in my own head. And I was, there was a time where I was looking at myself thinking, not that I was fat, just you look you look different. You, you don't look good. You look disgusting. And when I came out of that and changed my mindset, um, with the help of medication and exercise, I have turned myself around. So with weight loss, I actually haven't lost any weight. I've in fact gained weight since I've, um, birthed Yumi Mm. and that never happened with the last two, but it has with the third I've, I've put on weight and, it hasn't upset me. I just now have been starting to do F45 and I can't tell you how good I feel when I week by week feel myself becoming stronger. There is nothing better for me than feeling strong in myself. I don't care what I look like. I mean, I choose to wear looser fitting outfits because one, I like the look of that. And also I feel comfortable in it. And I think at the time after you have children, don't think that you're going to have to go back into what you used to wear because one, you're probably never going to. And two, you've got a different body now. You've, you've birthed a baby and it takes at least nine months to get back to your own self when you've had a child in your stomach for nine months. Yeah, I think there's so much emphasis on getting back to the old you and it's like every aspect of your life has changed yet our weight is meant to go back to exactly what it was before but everything else changes so I just think that yeah I just think there's way too much emphasis put on it I think you don't need to go back to being who you were before because you're never going to be that person again so why do you need to have that body again and find your new find your new normal yeah so that was you in the past then you were pregnant and now you're a mother with a child and find your new normal yeah. find your new body that you're comfortable with find your new routine and eating you know a different diet because you're breastfeeding and you might need to eat more food because mm. you need to actually feed your child all of that is okay. You, you don't have to go back to what you were to make yourself feel good about yourself. Yeah, and I think that it's easy to say and obviously harder to do, but it's so important not to compare yourself with others because every individual's like 
my pregnancy with Poppy was so different to my pregnancy with Goldie, let alone Mm. my pregnancy with Goldie and your pregnancy with Yumi. Do you know what I mean? Like within yourself, your own pregnancies are different. So, of course, the experience of other peoples are different. And I don't think you'll be offended in me saying this. Like you've said that when you breastfeed, you struggle to lose weight. Mm. Whereas when I breastfeed, I find that weight really falls off me, even if I'm not eating as well as I normally would. And everyone is just so different. Some people hold on to it and some people shed it. But every every pregnancy is different. Like if if I met you when I had um Emiya, I would have lost all my weight and have and it would have been tiny mm-hmm. and now I've come in I, th- I, said, I said to you the other day I go you literally have lost all your baby weight in three weeks of giving birth yeah and I have put on all of my weight from five years ago yeah I'm not bothered by it it is what it is yeah. and I can't change it but what I can change is my mentality yeah. and to do something positive for myself to yeah. make this time feel okay yeah what type of contraception do you use, Sophie? Right now it's called abstinence. <laughs> Sorry, Nikki. <laughs> it's highly effective. No, I'm not on any contraception right now. After having Poppy, I did consider getting the Mirena IUD just because I knew as a new mother I was going to need something that I didn't have to think about. Like I didn't trust myself with the progesterone mini pill because you have to take it the same time every day. And I just knew you would. I can't take medication at the best of times, let alone with a newborn. Um, but actually between Poppy and Goldie, I never ended up going on any, I just barrier. I just used condoms, barrier contraception. Really? But I didn't get my period back after Poppy till she was 10 months old. So I'm not saying that means I wasn't fertile at all, but I had less stress about contraception because I don't think I had a cycle until 10 months postpartum. And then we started trying for Poppy at 14 months. So, you know, there wasn't a whole heap of time that I felt super fertile that I needed to worry about it. Mm. What about you? Um, I was just thinking about the time between Billy and Yumi and what we actually did if I was on the pill, and I don't think I was that was a fair chunk of time yeah I don't think I ever was I think to be honest it was called the pull out method which we don't endorse we do not endorse that um and I have been meaning to get my husband circumcised like oh (laughs) he's already so oh no here we can't talk about it he will not want me to talk about that I've been meaning to get my husband snipped I sound like I'm like talking about my dog. Yeah, you know, he's getting the snip. But I've been telling him he should. And then when I spoke to Dr. Timmy the other day, he said to me, why won't you get the Marina? And I said, oh, well, I've had the the copper one. I'm, I don't deal with hormones very well. And he said, well, this one actually levels them out and there's less um, period pain. There's a lot of pros to it. And I, I went home and had a look and I've made the decision to actually go and do that. Mm. So hopefully between now and then, um, nothing happens and I am 99.9% protected. Did you or your husband stretch your bits to avoid tearing at birth? So I think that's called a perineal massage rather than stretch your bits. <laughs> that's something I would say. No, no, I didn't and he didn't. No, my child did. <laughs> yes, my child's head did. Yes. No, and look, I haven't had significant tearing with either of them and I never did. Uh, 
family visiting newborn in hospital or at home, how to tell them you want space first? So I think this is a really personal question. I love my family visiting me in hospital. I have had my mum and my mother-in-law come and visit me while I'm still in the birth suite both times, um, both deliveries. I've only had Nick and the midwife and obstetrician there, but I, I haven't had any family in the room, but they've come and visited me like within the hour of having a baby. I, with Poppy, had lots of friends visit me in hospital and that was something that really took its toll on me, especially on day three when my milk came in and I think I got a bit of the baby blues and I just felt so overwhelmed. So that was something I was very, very conscious of this time round. And look, I think, what do you say to them? You just be upfront with what you want. I think as soon as you have children, you have to be the advocate for your, you and your partner have to be the advocate for your family. And sometimes that involves having uncomfortable conversations and telling people things that maybe they don't want to hear, but it's your responsibility to put your family first. So I think that's just the first time you have to do it is after you've had the baby, making it clear what your wishes about visitors are. But also if you don't like being confrontational if you're talking about maybe not your mum and dad you're talking about you know cousins aunties uncles or friends that think that they want to come and visit you right away there is another approach I've seen a lot of people post on Facebook or social media accounts um, like tips on what to do when having a baby so when your friend has a baby or before you visit can you please um, either give us two weeks to ourselves can you then if you do come in bring a meal or can you wash your hands with hand sanitizer before holding if you actually set these boundaries out and you're not directing them specifically or if you're actually sending that text out as soon as you've had your baby these are our wishes then it's sort of a, a less confronting um, way to say please respect our our way of um, you know welcoming our baby into everyone's lives and I guess if it's kind of worded as though I'm sending this to a lot of yeah. people people probably feel less personally attacked because they than- do it's, it's a funny it's a very sensitive time when someone has a baby people feel that they want to come and cuddle the baby and like we've always said that the mother gets thrown and sort of put to the side because you know the baby's friend and wants a cuddle but the mother is going through all these hormone changes trying to get back to her you know her I guess her new self and also she's she's trying to work out how to become a mother so with all these people that are lovingly wanting to show their um, respect and and love they they need to understand and respect um, what she she needs at this time. So it's a good way. It's a, I, I would have done it if I if it if I knew about it. I would have just said, you know, sent out a little text to those who wanted to come or those who I knew that were wanting to come. This is it, and I think that would have been an easier way to get people to know what you want. Yeah. Mm. This one. All right, how do you deal with being mad at your partner, especially when they sleep all night or drink or they get to go to work? I kick him in the back. <laughs> Actually? Yeah. No. We've 
obviously been together for nearly a decade. So we've had a lot of time to understand, you know, each other's ins and outs, literally. And I, as parents, we've gone through a new challenge because, you know, it's one thing to be a couple. It's another thing to be parents and have to deal with one, two, three children. There's always hurdles in a relationship. With that, we have just worked out and accepted that communication is the only way to go and we need to be mindful of when we aren't communicating just yelling at each other and trying to say who's right and who's wrong gets us nowhere it doesn't even make anyone feel better at the end so I am trying to be a little bit more I guess clever with my responses to to let I'm a bit stubborn so For him to understand, hey, I'm actually really tired. I would love it if you actually got up tonight and gave me the bottle if she needed it. He would then respond, absolutely, that's fine. Mm. If I was like, I always do this, you do Mm. nothing. Can you get up? Well, that he's just going to be like, I do do stuff and then get his back up. So we've worked out a better way. It doesn't work all the time. Half the time we're fighting anyway, but it's healthy to fight. We argue, we get over it, Mm. it's healthy. Um, I just find communication is key for us and that's what's really helped get over these little bumps. Mm. But he is always the one that gets up last. He doesn't ever sleep in because we've got three kids, but I am an early riser. That doesn't bother me. So what I do in the morning, he may do something for the kids in the afternoon that I'm not doing. And as long as we have that balance, then it works for us. But every relationship's different. What do you guys do? I think we talked about this in our Q&A with our husbands a bit, that it's so easy during these times in your life where there's massive changes to think about all the things you do and forget about all the things that your partner does and I think that that can actually be super detrimental like you need to have an open mind about oh wow yeah I do this and this but he actually does that and that and then you'll see oh maybe it's not as uneven playing field as I thought Mm. it was and sure absolutely in those newborn days it's so easy to resent them for being able to sleep and yeah sometimes go to work I think that the only times that Nick and I argue is when one of us like we we don't argue much like at all and the only times we do is when one of us is expecting the other person to be a mind reader so for example if your husband or partner sleeps through the night they don't know if you've had a good or a bad night so if you if you expect in the morning for them to treat you differently because you've had a really crap night, they have no idea that you had a crap night. So, you know, for example, with Goldie, I've been letting Nick sleep a lot more than I did when we'd first had Poppy because I know in the morning that I want him to be fresh and that's to, what to look after Poppy and in the evenings to look after Poppy and, and that kind of thing. But if I'm having a shocking night where she's taking, you know, an hour, an hour and a half to settle again, I just gently tap him and say, hey, babe, do you think that I could go back to sleep and you'd be able to settle her back to sleep? She's fed. She just needs to be settled. And they do he's it. more than happy to do it. And I'm not saying they're all going to be more than happy to do it, but I think the number one thing is you can't expect them to be a mind reader. So, for example, on the weekend, if they're home and there's something you really want to do, then tell them that. They don't understand that when they go to work and do something that may be 
really boring or stressful to them that you're actually sometimes dreaming of doing that. So they, they, may, they may not know that and the only way they're going to know that is if you explain it to them. Yeah, that's true. I find that there's a lot of people that get the emotions involved where they, if they're waking up through the night, they want their partner to wake up Suffer. through the night. But if you actually work out that if you let them sleep and you do that, then if he's able to on the weekend, it's he. that's his turn to get up and do all that so you can have a sleep in. Or, or just give you those few extra hours in the morning. or Communication. Or, yeah, absolutely. Communication is key, guys. The big C word. Yeah, the big fat C word. What things do you argue with your spouse over quite regularly? Yeah, so as I said, we actually... Don't. I know that you were saying that arguing is healthy in a relationship, but I think that totally depends what kind of relationship you have. Mm-hmm. Like Nick and I, neither of us are yelly, argue type people. And as I said... The but do you o- debate over like, like, I don't know, if there's a... No, politics or, you know, do you guys, do you have different opinions where you butt heads? Neither of us could give a shit about politics. I know, but I'm trying to give an example. Like, is um, there somewhere where you guys, like, we we have friends over and we're playing a game, a board game, yeah. and Nick and I guarantee we'll get into some sort of, it's not, we're not fighting. Everyone's used to how we work. Yeah. We, we No, I've seen how you work. Yeah. I, know, I, know, I know that works. Too. Yeah. I actually remember that one time you came over and I said something about him. He was in the house and he was, he was pissing me off. And you're like, oh, go and give him a hug. And I'm yeah. like, why? And you're like, because he's sad. I'm like, fuck him. He's <laughs> annoying me. And then yeah, we just work really differently. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So um, I guess I just I'm interested to know, yeah, do you ever we're have both, those? We're both opinionated, but neither of us are particularly, like, fiery yeah. or impulsive. Um, so I don't know. Like, he has so many different opinions to what I have, but they never lead to, like, they don't even necessarily lead to a heated discussion. It's just like, okay, yeah, that's what you think. This is what I think. Let's move on. I don't know. I want to move in with you guys. Like, yeah, like, he is an extremely calm person, like, like, and he has calmed me down. I would say that I used to be more hot-headed than I am now. Like, one of our friends describes him as a walking Valium, which... (laughs) actually is the only thing that we end up arguing about so him being a walking valium is a strength and it's also something that gets to me as well and it's something that I've learned a lot from in terms of bettering myself but it's still the number one thing that shits me so he's very good at like he does not care what anybody else thinks he does not care what anyone else wants most of the time that's in a really good way as in like he puts our family first he won't go and do something just because that's what someone else wants him to do but obviously sometimes that's frustrating too Mm. where I'm just like no no no, I need you to come to this place with me even though you don't want to but that's you know what I mean I do know what you mean and that's getting back to you saying he may not know what you want he's not a mind reader you need to tell him and And once he's told he'll do it well, sometimes. Oh, I know. Look, yeah. he's not going to be doing everything you want, yeah. but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it's good because it's taught me, like, I never get FOMO anymore. So if I make a decision that I'm not going to go somewhere, I used to be, well, I used to probably just would have gone because I'm like, oh, that, that <laughs> person asked me to go there, so I'm expected to go and I should go. And now it's at the point where 
I'm like, no, there's a reason I made a decision not to go there. And that's fine. Like I just never get FOMO anymore, but it drives me crazy when it's used back on me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, number one thing is if I explain to him why something's important to me yep. and why I want him to do it or go there generally, all is good. What's the main things you guys argue about? Um, the bins, always about the bins. He takes them out, but he doesn't put the bin liner back in the bin which really annoys me because I'm going to the bin with my hands full Full, of stuff and there's nothing in there. Um, But apparently he says that's my job. And then the laundry basket, which I've brought up a few times on Instagram, where he – and this is probably our biggest argument to date. He's got shit everywhere. Nick thinks that the point of occasional chairs are just to have have clothes on. Like when I – I bought this nice cane chair to put in the corner of our room and he goes, are you sure you want that there? And I'm like, yes, look how nice it looks. And he goes, you know that the sole – you will never sit on that chair and the sole purpose of that chair will be where – I put my clothing. What was your career before you became a mum? So I did um, marketing and advertising and I did that for a few years before I fell pregnant and I think that's, you know, semi-helped what I do now. And would I go back to it? Well, I've just sort of incorporated into our new lifestyle and podcast and Instagram um, work style. So, yeah, it's it, it's been good. You feel like you're doing it but just in a different format. Yeah. 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 It's like yeah. when you do maths at school and you incorporate it somewhere down the track. Like, like never. I know. Algebra. <laughs> never again. Never. Okay, question for Sophie. Running a business and an Airbnb, how do you be a mum boss? Do you know what? This is so funny because Jade and I have joked that we have to get working mums on the podcast because neither of us have experience in working and being mothers. But it's actually probably not fair on either of us because I feel like... Here we are juggling everything. I feel like both of us are doing lots of things. It's just none of them are... Your typical guess, typical jobs. Thank you for thinking I'm a mum boss. I'm not sure that I thought of myself in that way, but I'll take it. I guess in terms of our businesses, the main businesses that I help run are the podcast, our Airbnb I manage. I draw an income from my Instagram and then we make a little bit of money through our cooking Instagram recipes and then Nick runs his you know hospitality businesses so I guess that's just a heads up for anyone who doesn't know what the businesses are and when I do list them like that it's actually quite a lot to chuckle um the main thing the way I'm able to run them is that all of them can be run from afar so all of those things I literally run from my phone which means unfortunately I do spend a lot of time on my phone and not all of that is doing business some of that is just mindlessly scrolling but yeah that's how I run them all so that I think the main thing with any work and being a mum especially when those things are done from afar and it's something that I definitely need to learn more and do better is having boundaries. So this podcast took off so much faster than we expected. We expected that we were going to be recording for one hour a week. It wouldn't require any editing. We'd just post it up, we'd be done. And 
actually it takes up so much more time than that. We find sponsors, we, you know, negotiate with sponsors, we work out giveaways, we edit the episodes, we run the Instagram, we get back to inquiries and we absolutely love it all, but it's all taken up way more time than we ever expected. Mm -hmm. And I think because we can do all of that from the phone and because the other things I do are all from the phone, it's so easy to just do it basically all day long and it's it's a it's a job that we can realistically do because you know Sophie will message me and I'm either in the middle of breakfast or doing a drop off and then I've got to go somewhere else then pick up and all in this time we're finding spots in our day that we can actually achieve what we need to get done because if we had a nine to five job well I can't do it I physically can't I've still got a baby and I need to do all these other things but what I'm saying is that's an advantage but it's also a disadvantage because I feel like sometimes you you feel like you you don't actually ever switch off from it and so yeah I do I love this as a job but I've actually found it more tiring and time consuming than I expected and I think I do need to get better at setting boundaries and maybe allocating more specific time to it where I'm more efficient for an hour or two to rather than doing bits here and there. And that's what I'm about to do as well. Yumi's about to start daycare and that one day that she's in there, I'm dedicating to work so I literally can do everything I need to do in that day and then either side of that I don't feel guilty or stressed that I'm, I'm you know, losing myself in other places yeah. where I need to be. Yeah. Sophie, how do you wear so much white and do you have any stain removal tips? <laughs> I get asked this so often. I swear anyone that follows me thinks I'm some kind of domestic goddess. And my family would laugh at this because I am so not. Like I and I've just had to learn things since becoming a mum because I guess like all of a sudden I've got a lot of washing I've got to do. I honestly don't have any tips or tricks. I use vanish spray mm-hmm. and nappy sand on my whites if it's required. I do little bits of laundry every single day. I know some people let it build up and then they do like lots on say day three and then let it build up. I basically do a color load and a whites load probably every day. And I think that helps, especially with the whites because I don't let stains Mm. sit on there for very long. But honestly, sorry, other than that, I have no tips. I I there's a lot of clothes of poppies that get stained that I can't get the stains out of them but funnily enough my clothes generally always the stains come out bleach eucalyptus or um I very rarely use actual bleach though I do bleach is my like last resort oh that's my last resort but if I need to rehaul all these whites or spot spot something it'll 100% have a tiny bit of bleach in it for sure yeah yeah it's not you know, friendly and whatever, eco-friendly, but it does keep your whites white. And it's also not eco-friendly throwing out lots of clothes because of stains. That's right. So, you've... but yeah, I think also people stress about the stains in kids' clothes. Like you quite can... often, you may not see it, but like lots of Poppy's clothes have a little stain on them, and she's still going to wear them because I assure you, within five minutes of putting something on, there's going to be another going to be another stain next to it as a little friend, anyway. That's so. right. This one's for you, Jade. Ah. You posted the other day on your Instagram about taking an hour for yourself in the morning. Have you been doing that and how's it been going? I have been doing that and it is an absolute game changer. To get up and have that time mentally and physically before 
anyone else in the house is awake makes my day so much better. I had a friend message me um, and say, I need to do this too, but I'm so tired when I wake up. And I said, I'm going to message you and, and actually get you to wake up in the morning and see how you feel. And she said, when you messaged me, it actually, I did, I dragged myself out. I was so tired, but I sat there with my coffee in silence Mm. before the madness, because when I get up with the kids, they immediately like, I'm hungry, I need this, mum, can you do this? And my brain hasn't even switched on. And I'm yeah. like, I can't even turn the TV on. Like yeah. I, I'm not even awake yet. So for me to have that hour to have a shower, yeah. it's I felt so excited and privileged that I was doing this without any interruption because yeah. even at night I'm not relaxed. Yeah. So it's been an absolute game changer. Yeah. If I didn't do the uh, lunches the night before, I just do them in the morning. Yeah. I have everything organized. If Yumi wakes up first, then that's okay as well because she just has a little feed or play yeah. around or milk on the couch. And I've been really enjoying my time. So good. Yeah. Proud of you. Thank you. Did you end up using the Hucker Pump and did you like it? Yeah, I've been asked a lot about the Hucker Pump because it was one of those things that I showed in it's my... It's a breast pump, just to a, clarify. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a breast pump that I showed in my hospital bag. So how it works is it's just a little, I think it's silicon. It's all in one, so there's no bits and bobs and parts and pieces that you can lose, which I would lose. And basically you suction it to your opposite side while you're breastfeeding and it catches the letdown. And if you've had babies before you've used this, it almost makes you so upset the milk that you have been wasting because you drip so much on the other side. It's like $35 or $39, as I said, all in one piece, easy to wash, highly recommend it. Do you then just put the breast milk in little ice cube trays and freeze it for down the track or what do you do with that, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, I put mine into little milk bags yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and put them in the freezer and I had a devastating moment. We went to Melbourne for four days a few weeks ago and didn't shut our freezer door properly oh. and the two things I was devastated about was I had to throw my milk out and I had to throw out mum's homemade lasagna that she'd made a massive batch for me to freeze for when I was really hungry during the day if I was home on my own and literally I was like I don't know which one I'm more sad about <laughs> probably the lasagna definitely the lasagna the milk, but yeah. Oh. Yeah. all right so these are going to be our last two questions for one another um this is a big one I'd love to know what you've got to say mm. and actually someone we're interviewing next week we're going to talk a lot about this. Ah, yes. But tips for preppies and how to transition your little one to school. Well, I think this is, it comes down to your child's personality. Yeah. 100%. I could not sit here and tell you, I could not sit here and tell you what your child is going to be like when they start preschool or kindy. I can go on my own two experiences. Mia is a very confident, independent individual. She likes to do everything herself. She always has. She's one of those children. She's very academic and she's really had no problem just easing into school life. Billy, I was a little apprehensive about because I feel like she has a bit of anxiety, which I have always had as well. Um, And I thought that she would have a little bit of a separation issue with me or I guess her sister or someone with going to school. And she has 
absolutely surprised me. She's been very comfortable. Look, there's days where she says, do I have to go to school again today? Because she doesn't understand that it's now five days a week. But she came home yesterday and said that she's been kissed by a boy. So, you know, like now it's it's now just another. So now Jade's homeschooling. (laughs) But I do find a lot of parents I talk to in the schoolyard that they have a lot of anxiety coming into school, um, leaving mum for the day. Once again, communication. Mia didn't want to go to school last week and I asked her why she wouldn't tell me. She did have that someone special to talk to and open up and that's her auntie. She likes to tell her everything. As long as she's got someone, then I'm happy. It doesn't yeah. have to be me, yeah. but it's important to have someone yeah. to tell me everything so I can work <laughs> it out. And it was a problem with a friend in class distracting her. Mm. And... Uh, and outside I said I can't do anything in the schoolyard but I can do something in the classroom I just had a really quick conversation with the teacher Mia didn't see it it changed happy as Larry again so if if you know they're a little bit sad or you see something off that they're not usually like then you know if they can say to someone they feel comfortable with what it is and you can help that then you know I'm sure that's um going to be beneficial to them and did you do anything in preparation to get either of them ready for school I did actually we were sent this beautiful book it's it's called my big moments and they they have all different moments of a child's life you know one might be when a baby comes home we got one for for a baby coming home yeah um the one I got was um my first day at school so they take the child's name that's going to school and they incorporate that in the book so the child can really engage and resonate with the book yeah and it's a really nice way. Billy absolutely loved it. She asked me to read it for a whole week every night before bed, yeah. before school, because it got her excited. You know, they don't know what school's going to be. It sounds terrifying. But yeah. with this book, it makes them calm and feel excited about the journey and also give them real um expectations are going to happen you know you are going to actually feel a little bit nervous and you're going to have butterflies in Mm. your tummy that's okay Mm. that's okay so I really found that that book was helpful in that sense what are your thoughts on daycare and um, do you have any guilt around it so I'm a huge advocate for daycare. Daycare, daycare, daycare. <laughs> so Poppy started at a daycare when she was a bit older than one and she's been at the same day- daycare the whole time and it's actually a family daycare so there's only four kids maximum there a day and they're with the same lady every day. So in terms of the transition to daycare, look, for us it was really easy because it wasn't going from just being, you know, one-on-one with me or one-on-one with Nick and then going to, you know, a massive mm. class or anything. It was really little so it was fine and I think by the second time she went there, she was having quite a good sleep. And I think maybe because she started quite young as well, there wasn't that same separation anxiety or, I mean, she probably didn't particularly know what was going on. Um, but I, I, I mean, kudos to mums and dads that, that can keep their kids home for ages. But for us, I think it's been really, really healthy. She started off there one day a week and she's now there two days a week and has been going two days a week for quite some time. And I 
I just, I'm all for it. I think that she has learnt so much by being there. She's, socially. Socially. She's really good at sharing. She's, she. I think it's helped her talking because she has to express herself to other people than just Nick and I. Like I'm aware that Nick and I understand her language so much better than anyone else. So she has to be able to communicate with other people. I think it's taught her to be better at sleeping in different places. I think I mean, it's healthy for me. I get time to myself. I think it's really good that I have days to run errands where I'm not just dragging her around. I think it's it can be quite unfair on kids if their week is spent just following their parents around running errands. Like, you know, and they're I just do, in the I car do. the whole time and, <clears throat> and that kind of thing. So I think that's really good for her. And I think it's really, really healthy for us both to miss one another. Yeah. And it makes my other days with her even more special. And honestly, there's no better feeling than when it gets to that time at the end of the day and I get to go pick her up. It's really great. And mum guilt, it's such a funny, funny thing, isn't it? Because someone asking, you know, the mum guilt you have of putting your child in daycare, if you need a day to yourself because you're with your child every day, that's okay. If you have to work because you need to make a living for your family to provide, and they need to go to daycare. That's okay. But to be honest, I the only guilt I felt when I started was I felt like I needed to explain to people why she had to go to daycare when I wasn't going back to work. And that was the only thing I had guilt around. And look, after I had Poppy, I knew that I wanted to try out some different avenues of work and not go back to what was my career beforehand. And I before she went to daycare, honestly was almost forcing myself to come up with business ideas so that I could do something for myself and have this business for myself. And it wasn't until she was going to daycare and I had some time to think about, you know, what excites me? What am I passionate about? What do I see myself doing? And actually not force it at all, that I've now almost fallen into something that I absolutely love, that's doing well, that I am passionate about. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've I've said that to friends who are like, oh, I need to work out what I want to do before I send them to daycare. And sometimes it's impossible to do that if you don't have time to yourself to think about what you want. And I know not everyone's in that position where they can send their child to daycare without working. I understand that I was in a very fortunate position. But, yeah, like I just needed that mental space before I could even know what I wanted to do next. So as you were saying, and back to the mum guilt on the topic of daycare, the daycare Kazumi starting next week. Yesterday we went for an orientation. She said to me, oh, um, how do you feel? You know, like are you sad that she's coming? And I said, babe, this is my third child. I'm over the moon. She's going to have a bloody great time here. Like, And I could see her. She was thriving in there. So for me, I'm excited. For Yumi, I'm excited. And if they say, you know, she's having trouble adjusting or she's having this, well, then we'll work with those those issues. But at this point in time, she's showing all the signs that she's ready and comfortable to to start daycare and I need it for the family. I yeah. need to have this time for myself to provide and to do all the things yeah. that I, I can't do. Well, good. Go daycare. Go daycare. <laughs> 
Alrighty, well, I think we'll wrap it up. Wrap it up. Nice chatting to you, girl. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.